All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome. It's Friday, Tim. Friday. You know what? I always get excited on Fridays. You know why? Why? My favorite show comes on. So it comes on around 10 a.m. I love it. I get a coffee. I get a donut. I, I nuzzle into the couch, turn on the TV, and I. it's just my favorite daytime drama. Have you heard of this one? It's called... As the Eichel turns, or Jen Eichel Hospital, as you like to call it, that's uh, my favorite. I'm very excited for today's episode because it's the finale. Finally, it's been a year long just drama, but what is Jack going to do? Jack's been a bad boy, and Kevin, he doesn't want to help him. And Jack wants to go and do something on his own, but Kevin said no. You're not allowed to. And so there's been some drama there, Tim, and I'm excited to see how this is going to play out. I think there's going to be someone who's going to come in and swoop up Jack and say, I'll take care of you. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. Let's see. As the Eichel turns. Turns, turns, turns. Turns, turns. It's over. Finally, finally, Tim, it's over. We have a conclusion to this bleep show of a situation with Jack Eichel, the Buffalo Sabres, the back and forth, the Twitter wars, the the subtle jabs by Jack Eichel, the, the standing is ground of Kevin Adams. It's over. Jack Eichel, as everyone knows, has been officially traded to the Vegas Golden Knights for get this it's it's going to be a huge haul right jack eichel is a mega superstar in the prime of his career they get peyton krebs alex tuck the 2022 first round draft pick and the 2023 third round draft pick the vegas golden knights receive jack eichel and a 2023 third round pick what do you think of this tim we're going to break it down mostly the whole episode it's going to take a big chunk of time Wrap our heads around it. What is your first reaction to this deal? I want to know. You're a Vegas insider. 
I'm a Buffalo insider. We are inside of everybody. What's going on? What is the good news? Break down this trade for us, Tim. Yeah, my first reaction was finally happy for the Sabres, happy for Jack. Obviously, he's been living in pain and discomfort, and now we can go get the surgery that he wants so badly. And like you said, the this long national nightmare has finally come to an end. So it's good. It's good. Um, I was surprised by the haul that they got back. I had heard the name Peyton Krebs. I mean, I'm reading up on him. He was a first-round pick in 2019, a pretty highly touted prospect. Hasn't done much yet at the NHL level, but again, that's probably not getting too many chances on a very deep Golden Knights roster. So um, I know Buffalo is pretty high on him. Alex Tuck, as we talked about him on this show before, he's a very effective forward. He's probably like a third-line player on a really good team, um, but I imagine he'll be like, one or first or second line with Buffalo. Um, he's injured right now, but he's also from Buffalo, which is kind of cool. I like when that happens to work out. He said, dream come true. Who knows how much he means that leaving for one of the best teams in the league for the worst one, but being from Northern New York, um, you know, it's, it's cool for him. Western New York, whatever, what Northwestern, whatever. Western. <sighs> okay. And uh, upstate. Is that, is that okay to say? Is that fair? Western New York is where Buffalo resides. Not upstate, not northern, not eastern, not southern. Western New York. Western? Western New York. Okay. Uh, what, was your, what was your takeaway when you saw the news break? You know, I'm from the Buffalo area. I'm from St. Catharines just to hop, skip, and a jump across the old, uh, the old bridge there. I have a lot of friends in Buffalo. I'm still very friendly with a lot of people who work within the organization. This is going to be hard for me to say. The Sabres got absolutely fleeced. They got taken out behind the woodshed, and they just got buried. Um, I don't know what other options are on the table for Kevin Adams. I, I say that knowing that maybe there wasn't a lot out there for Kevin Adams to work with. He wanted to get this situation over with. And the longer it goes, the worse the offers are going to get. If, if Kevin is going to stand his ground and say, you're not getting the surgery, the situation wasn't going to change. Jack wasn't going to play unless he had the disc replacement. The Sabres wanted him to get the fusion, fusion surgery. So they were butting heads right there. So the, the offers weren't going to improve. You know, you can only, you know, dangle the carrot out there for so long to teams. The offers, you know, aren't going to get any better, like I said. So, you know, he, he was talking to numerous teams. Apparently, Calgary made a strong push for him at the end. The Rangers backed away and signed Zabinijad to a big deal. And there wasn't very many suitors. You know, they, there was Anaheim was sniffing around. The Kings for a while were sniffing around. There was a couple, the Bruins, you know, were poking the poking their toe in the pool to see what was going on. At the end of the day, I have talked to people from Buffalo. I have, you know, been in touch with a couple guys. It's not the return that they wanted. Arguably, it's the same return you get from a Reinhardt trade, where this first round draft, maybe it's a little better than Reinhardt because you're getting Peyton Krebs. You're giving away a generational talent. You're giving away a player who, when he is healthy, and that's the big question mark, if he ever will be the same player again, when he is healthy, he is a top seven player in the NHL. 
we have not seen Jack been put on a line with really elite goal scores. It'll be exciting when he is healthy, whenever that is, if it's, you know, for the playoffs this year or if it's for next year. If you put him in between Stone and Pacioretty, that is a very dangerous first line on any team in the NHL. I don't care where you are. So the reason I say the Buffalo Sabres get fleeced is this. You mentioned it. Alex Tuck, very good player, tall, big body, pretty good handle on the puck and can get up and down the ice fairly well. Just had a shoulder surgery, so he's out until at least January. So there's a question mark there. Is he going to come back to be the same player? Is the shoulder going to bother him for the rest of the career? Shoulders are very important when you're shooting the puck and you're body checking people, apparently. Peyton Krebs. I always, I always hazard when people talk about prospects. He's a really highly touted prospect. There's a reason they use the word prospect because he is not a good NHL player yet. He hasn't shown me anything. He hasn't done anything. His sample size is very small to date. I think he's played just about a dozen games. He's got zero goals. He's dash six this year with the Vegas Golden Knights. But like you said, maybe he has been playing with the best line mates. We'll give him a little bit longer of a look to kind of base our final judgments on that. But today, when you're when you're looking at Peyton Krebs, he he's not an NHL player. You know, he he is, but he, he's not one that's going to rival a Jack Eichel. Then we go to the first round pick. Vegas is a struggling team right now. If they, if they keep this up, that will be a valuable first round pick. Does anybody think Vegas is going to you know keep up this pace of futility, of struggling, of you know clamoring along at five hundred, or do we think they're going to pick it up and end up you know in the first, second, third spot in the West? I think they'll pick it up. They'll improve their play. They'll get back to the Vegas Knights that we've you know known. And some of us have loved the last few years and they'll end up on the Western conference for a second, third. So that first round draft pick will end up being, gosh, if they win the Stanley cup, it'll be the 32nd pick. Is that worth anything? Is a 32nd pick work? Anything is a 25th overall pick worth anything is a 20th pick work any worth anything. No, I don't like it's worth something. If, if you hit the jackpot, when you go back historically in the drafts and you look at Who's drafted 15 plus? It's a crapshoot. Who makes it? Who's going to be drafted 15th plus in the first round and really make an impact for a team and really be a game changer? Yes, they'll they'll make the NHL most likely and they'll be a good second, third line player, not to the level of Jack Eichel. So I just go back and I look at the big trades throughout the last decade, two decades of really high end players getting traded in their prime. And there's not that many of them, but there are some. It never works out for the team giving up that high-end talent. It, it never does. You're never going to get the same return for a Joe Thornton, for a Jack Eichel. It just will never happen because it's, it's hard to replicate those type of players. I was hoping for the Sabres they were going to get two first-rounders. That, that would have been my floor if I was a GM. If I was Kevin Adams, I'd say you, you got to – at least begin with two first rounders and we'll talk that didn't happen. I don't know why that didn't happen, but Hey, this is the deal that we have. This is where we are. I think the Sabres lose this deal. If Jack Eichel comes back to the player, he, he was before he got hurt, but that's a big if, right. And and that's the, the buyer beware on this trade. Vegas is taking a gamble. They traded away two pretty good players who will 
contribute to Buffalo. They'll be good big pieces in that team once they get healthy because Buffalo needs some forwards to come in and help. If Jack Eichel gets that surgery, it doesn't respond well, and all of a sudden he's out. Vegas, you know, it, it looks like a really terrible trade for them. If, if Jack gets the surgery, he's back in playoffs, and he takes him to the Stanley Cup, boy, is it egg on the face for Kevin Adams where he could have just let Jack get this surgery, and then you have Jack Eichel for the next decade, and he's your guy, and he's the cornerstone of your franchise like you wanted them to be, like you give them that contract to be. But because for whatever reason – you do not want him to get this surgery. Here we are. We're trading a generational talent. That's my take on it, Tim. So Eichel obviously is going to get that surgery immediately. The, the Knights already said they're going to de- defer to his medical team and let him get it. Um, the recovery time is basically plus or minus four months. Let's say it could be as little as three, but then even then it's going to be a few more weeks at least before he's like ready to take contact and playing in, a, in an NHL game. So Really, the earliest we're seeing him is like February, end of February, and then it, it might it might not be till playoffs, like you said. Does does he need to return and be the Jack Eichel that we used to know for Vegas to win this deal? And does he need to return this year for us to say that Vegas definitely won this deal? No, definitely not this year. I, I think Kelly McCrimmon, the GM for the Vegas Golden Knights, he is making this deal with next year in mind. I firmly believe he doesn't intend on Jack Eichel playing this year, which is a ballsy move. When you're a Stanley Cup contender and you're trying to make a push for the Cup right now, you're trading away Alex Stuck, who is a pretty good player on your team when they've made their runs. Like He he does move the needle. He's a very impactful player. So to lose him for absolutely nothing, that's a pretty you know gutsy move. If he does return this year, Kelly McCrimmon, he did say he's most likely out three to five, three to four months, but you never know what you're going to get out of this type of surgery. You don't know how someone's going to react. Jack's a young guy. He's obviously healthy. He keeps himself in shape. So maybe it's, what if it's three months and he comes back and he's Jack Eichel? You're looking pretty smooth. To answer your other question, in my opinion, he does have to come back and be the player he was before because you are paying him 10 million bucks. He is, you know, getting a lot, a lot of money. So he does need to come back and be the Jack Eichel of old, which I think he will be if he is healthy. He's going to have tons of weapons around him. He was such a productive player in Buffalo when he was playing with okay players, you know, a Sam Reinhardt, an Olafson, a Jeff Skinner Evander. for a cup of coffee, an Evander Kane, um, those types of players who do, you know, get up and down the ice pretty good they're not nearly the same level as a Mark Stone and a Max. As much as I don't like both of these players for whatever reason, they're very effective, a Pacioretty and a Mark Stone. So you put those two with an Evander Kane, or excuse me, a Jack Eichel. Now you got me talking about Evander. My blood's boiling. I got to calm down. You put him with a Jack Eichel, Jack's going to put up 100 points, no problem. In his sleep, he's going to be vaulted into – top three, four point getter in the league, because that's a dangerous first line, Tim, a dangerous first line. This man, why, why would Buffalo not let him get a surgery? You're, are you a doctor? I don't know. Why would you just let him get it? As you know, I'm an, I'm an insider in the medical community and we talked a little bit about that, but I, I, I kind of, so I've been reading a lot of, or listening to a lot of his interviews because he did an interview with gosh, Sportsnet and then ESPN. And then he was on Chicklets last night too. And, couple kind of quotes I want to call out that are really interesting. The first one, he said um, on Sportsnet with uh, Friedman, said we weren't really in a position of, you know, that we were going to try and go to win. So basically he said, 
they changed management last year. They uh, were going through another rebuild. And he's like, credit to them. They brought in Taylor Hall. They brought in some other guys. It didn't work out. And I went to them and asked for a trade. He's like, basically said, I don't want to be part of the rebuild. You can use me, get some pieces, draft picks, players, whatever, prospects. um, And I want to go play somewhere I can win. And they were not happy with that. I think that, I don't know if that caught them by surprise. I mean, yeah, he's still at the time, like 24 years old or whatever. So like they probably still envisioned him being part of their future. Um, And then, you know, fast forward a little bit on Chicklets last night. He's, he said, a lot of people don't know this, but I told Buffalo, if they let me get the surgery, I'll come back and play there. Does that sound like someone who's, who's trying to make things work? Or does it sound like he's maybe holding them hostage a little bit too? How do you, how do you interpret that? Well, I think once you get your mind made up and it's not like he's just making this decision based off of his gut. He, he has seen many specialists. He talked to a lot of people. And from my intel, most people say the, the fusion, fusion surgery is good, but the complete disreplacement is just as good, if not better. You can come back to a normal way of living. And at the end of the day, there is life after hockey. And with the fusion surgery, that'll kind of affect you your whole life. Whereas the disc replacement, it does allow you to lead a normal life after post-hockey. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff into it. I don't think he was holding him hostage. I think he, you know, talked with the people around him, his his team. They reached out to a lot of people and he, you know, weighed the pros and cons and he made his decision. Does this type of thing happen 10 years ago? I don't think so because players nowadays, they have more power. They are more apt to push the limit a little bit and to think about themselves and to worry about things that, you know, they wouldn't have worried about 10, 15, 20 years ago, where it was like, I'll do whatever the team wants. I'll run through a brick wall. I think players are smarter now. They're realizing they have a little more power than they once thought they did. So, you know, it is what it is. I think an interesting comment Kelly McCrimmon made the GM for the Knights. I thought they panicked when they made this trade. When we talked about this last week, I was like, if Vegas makes this trade, it's them pressing it's them pressing the panic button because they haven't had the start that they wanted and he made an interesting quote after the deal he said we were not in the market for a centerman and i i just i was listening and he's like yeah we weren't in the market but when this type of player comes available you have to you have to go for it because it's not every day you get a jack eichel to become available how many jack eichels are there in the league he is in a very select group of elite centermen that it's very difficult to get your hands on. Like he, we're talking the McDavid's, the Nathan McKinnon's and the Jack Eichel's of the world. It's very rare when you can get your hands on one. And he said, when you get that chance, you do whatever you can. He's like, yeah, we gave up a good piece in Alex, Alex Tuck. But when you look at the, what they got and who they gave away, it's pittance. Like it, this will end up being, a stain on the Buffalo Sabres, just like the Joe Thornton deal was for the Bruins for a long time. People will look back and go, gosh, we used to have Eichel. Now he's got a couple Stanley Cups and a, and a heart and an end, all these trophies on his wall. And we had him. And he was 24 years old. And he, and he signed for eight years, 10 million bucks. And we gave him away for nothing because he wanted to get a surgery that we didn't like. This will end up being a, a big you know, stain for the Buffalo Bills, much like for the the Buffalo, oh, excuse me, staying for the Sabres, much like the Bills when um, 
Norwood kicked it wide, wide, right. People still talk about that. So this will be one of those instances where it's like, man, we had Jack Eichel. We had him. We let him go. Look at him now. He's lighting it up in Vegas. He's hoisting the Stanley cup. He liked it in Buffalo. As far as I'm concerned, he didn't really cause too much trouble. They just couldn't put a winning team around him. So it's a gosh, Vegas. They're going to be dangerous next year. They will be a very, very, very good team next year. It'd be as soon as this year. So right now they have all three of those guys, Eichel, Pacioretty, and Stone are all in long-term IR. So they're off the books, but they're like up against the cap even with that. So they've got some things to figure out. I don't know if they're banking on Eichel not coming back this year, if they're going to have to make some moves or to finagle the, the salaries a little bit. But when everyone's healthy, they're going to have to figure out some deals. But when those guys are healthy, I mean, how good is that line going to be? Is that a top five line in the NHL? If I would all, say if top, healthy? top two. Like examine the perfection line in Boston. It's a very, very dangerous line. If if they put those three together, which they should, name me a line that has that three stud players. You know, there's lines that have two good players. Toronto, they have a Colorado. Colorado, Colorado has a strong Ranton and McKinnon and uh, Landis Cog. Landis Cog, that's a good line. They'll be top two or three in the NHL. It's a, it's a very dangerous line. Very and Eichel, God, he's he's going to have a massive boulder on his shoulder. He's going to be back out to prove that the Sabers made a mistake, and he is Jack Eichel, baby. And it's going to be fun. I hope he comes back this year. It'll be great to just first game playoffs. I'm here, boom, Stanley Cup. It'd be unbelievable. It'll be an epic end to as the Eichel turns. Here's the question: Who plays their next NHL game, Jack Eichel or Evander Kane? This was a prediction I had in the in the preseason, Tim. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm calling back what, to it. What was my prediction? You said Eichel would play first. I'm going to stand by that. He's in the road to getting a game played. So he there is a light at the end of his tunnel. Evander Kane does not have a light at the end of his tunnel right now. Yes, he's suspended by the NHL for 21 games because of his COVID hijinks, as you would call it doing a false document to try to fool the NHL because he's not vaccinated. He was trying to pull a fast one on the drug inspector guy. But um, so his, his suspension's half up. I think they've got about 10 games under their belt, the San Jose Sharks. I don't think he's been at the rink. I don't think he's been around the players. I don't think he's been around the organization as far as I'm concerned. You're an insider, Tim. Has he been around the organization? He hasn't. Um, I actually saw a report from Kevin Kurz uh, in San Jose. I've been following this pretty closely. I think he's with The Athletic. Um, he was spotted at LAX with his new girlfriend. Um, and he said that Evander, all of Evander's stuff is still at the rink, which suggests nothing. Obviously, he has more gear at home. Everyone does. But, but the, he was speculating that he hasn't been working out and skating on his own, which, is, which would just be crazy. And then uh, – all the guys on the Sharks are talking about how much fun they're having and like how good the, the chemistry is, how happy they all are. Like Thomas Hurdle has been very outspoken about it. And I don't know how you can kind of introduce that back into the room when the Sharks, it's not like they're, I mean, they're playing pretty well and they're happy while they're doing it. How do you mess with that? Matter you, don't. With it. you don't. The answer is yeah. you don't. Doug Wilson is not, he's no dummy. He will not allow that guy to step foot in the locker room. They saw what he did to the team last year and the year prior. He is an absolute cancer to that locker room. There's no way they're going to let him in and mess up that mojo that they have going to San Jose. So I still firmly believe Ico will play a game, whether it's this year or next year. 
It will be before Evander Kane plays a game. Do you think that even if if Doug Wilson did want to bring that kid back in, Evander, that kid, Evander, just because of the talent, would the players stop him? Would the players The protest? players don't have any say in that. They, they can't do a thing. They're employees of the San Jose Sharks. They got to do whatever Doug Wilson wants them to do. So would no. They, would they speak out? Say, they might say something. Back. They might yeah. say something. Maybe I, I see a world where Doug Wilson wants to deal Evander, and the only way to deal him is to get him on the ice to show that he's still the player that he is. So that's the yeah. only way I see that working out. But I, I, I just don't see the Sharks bringing him back this year. There's too much toxic things going around around Van K- Vander Kane right now. The fact that he's at LAX with his girlfriend, what a what a loser! He's already got a girlfriend. His wife is like going through. To, the guy has not a moral bone in his body. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to get into a hate fest on Evander. So to answer your question, yes, Eichel will play before Evander Kane does, even if he steps on the ice next year to start the season for the Vegas Golden Knights. Gosh, that guy boils my blood. <laughs> All right, last question on this topic before we move on. Do you think Buffalo, I mean, assuming he comes back healthy, do they keep Tuck or do they flip him like at a deadline and go get a younger piece somewhere? Um, what is his contract? I don't know what his contract looks like. So there'll be a lot of weight dependent on that. But even if it is for this year, I think they keep him. He's a good piece. Like you said, if they put some players around him, he's a good second, third line guy who can contribute. He's making 4.75 for five more years. So he, you know what? They keep him because of that deal. I think that's yeah. a good number for him. You can slot him in on the second line in Toronto and just let him do his thing. He's from Buffalo. So he'll be happy in Buffalo. They have him wrapped up. They got Krebs locked up for a few more years under his ELC. And away they go. I don't think they flip him. I think it looks even worse if you flip him for another draft pick and then it doesn't pan out. You got to have something concrete for Jack Eichel that you can say, well, we got him. He's, he's a good player. You know what's cool? Guess who broke this trade? Who? Andrew Peters, of all people. Buffalo guy, salt of the earth, former tough guy. I don't know what he does now. He, he doesn't do his show in Buffalo, but broke the news. Yeah. He does have a new show, doesn't he? No, I don't. I know I don't live in Buffalo, so I don't listen to the radio in Buffalo. But good for him, Andrew Peters. Broke broke the news. Not Darren Drager, not friend of the show, Frank Saravalli. Andrew Peters, kind of cool. No, no. You know what else is kind of cool? cool? DoorDash. You know why it's cool, Tim? Because they deliver your food to your door when you're hungry. I say it every show. I shouldn't have to say it anymore. Everyone should be signed up. We shouldn't even have this ad anymore because all of my listeners, all one hundred thousand per episode should have signed up for DoorDash. But apparently there's a few of you that haven't. Apparently you're behind the times. Well, listen, get on it now because you're going to get 25% off your first order, free delivery if you use promo code. What's promo code, Tim? GlovesDD in Canada, GlovesDD US in the United States. Tim knows. So go to DoorDash, use the app, go on the website, get it wherever you need to get it, enter our promo code, get yourself some food. It's a fantastic company. I love doing the ads because every time I do them, I just want to use DoorDash. Boop, boop, boop on my phone. Away we go. Food in my mouth. DoorDash is happy. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. Check it out. All right. Some quick hits, Tim. So I made a comment last episode about Panarin being better than the Leafs. All the Leafs players. Apparently. Well, not combined. (laughs) No. And it's not like Transformers, robots in disguise. (laughs) So, or is that Power Rangers? Both. 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 
what was your favorite show? Was it Transformers or Power Rangers? Which one? It was Power was Rangers. Better? Yeah. Power, Power Rangers, Rangers for sure. Which one did you like? Which which Ranger? The Green. I was a Green Ranger for Halloween at least two different years. Tommy? Yeah, yeah. I know the name, Tim. Don't test me. Um, <laughs> a little old, aren't you, John? A little old, but I like myself some Power Rangers as well. So there was some back and forth. It's funny when you just put... Uh, uh, pose a, a position how people just get so fired up and i love it people are passionate about their teams they're defending their guys it's great it's good fodder it gets the gets the people engaged tim it gets, gives them what they want i you know i read some of the comments i read some of the arguments i read some of the stats people were throwing out and i still believe it's panera I firmly believe Panarin is an all-around better player than any one of the Leafs right now. He gets more points. He plays in all situations. He's a very good player. And the argument that I saw that I didn't even think of, Panarin tries all the time. (laughs) He skates up and down the ice. He hustles. He doesn't take a shift off. He's a very engaged player. You cannot say that about all of the players on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe Johnny T does that. None of the other three, big three do. Marner, he floats. He takes shifts off. Austin Matthews, they, there's whole whole YouTube clips of him just like floating around. And Willie Nylander, he, you know, he's in that same boat too, where he really doesn't try. If there's a back check, yeah, you know what? I'm going to change it up. So Panarin tries. He gets more points. He does more. I don't know how you can have an argument that at this time, he would not be the best player on Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a no-brainer to me. Nobody. Well, it's so it's so funny because we got like you know some people are like oh I, I disagree or like yeah I totally agree and then some there would be still like every couple of tweets would be like this rant about how dumb you are and took too many hits to the head when you were playing and all this stuff and you're smoking this or that and then you look at their profile and like their Twitter handle is like Leafs fan two six four or something it's just like and I on. I'm okay with that come at me it's fine and yes I took a couple hits to the head I don't think it affected me I think I'm still pretty sharp. I think I do have, you know, a little bit more of an advanced opinion compared to the normal Joe because I played against all these guys and, I, and I, I, I'd like to think I know what I'm talking about. But apparently I, I don't because I, I didn't score 50 goals. But I, I was there. I, I would hazard to say that I may be a little bit more of an expert than you are, Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter guy who tells me I should go blank by blank. So <laughs> good, uh, good, good conversation. The same thing happened with my guy, Ovi, my friend, who I'd like to consider a friend, who I made a bold prediction of that he won't score 30 goals this season. More than 30 goals, so he's allowed to get 30, and I still I still win this bet. He, for some reason, has, has taken my challenge, and he's run with it. So he's gotten 10 goals in 10 games, or is it 10 and 11? I don't even know. And he's having himself a season. <laughs> Off to the best start of his career. Um, he's, he's really flying. And the people are letting me know. They're very engaged, which I love. I love to, you know, engage with my, with my listeners. They're a little bit more aggressive. I, I'll say than most, they, they are defending their Washington Capitals captain, rightfully so. I will say this. It's early. He's had a very, very good start. He will not keep this up. There will be a time when he slows down. But boy, he's, he's gotten himself off to a pretty good start to get to that 30-goal threshold. He needs to score 20 goals in 70 games. I think he can do it. But we'll see what happens. It's, it's a long game. I don't think he continues up the goal per game 
Pacey's on right now, but holy <laughs> moly, I look like a, a stinking donkey right now with that prediction. It, it turned in from a bold prediction to like, I'm going to live or die by this bet, <laughs> but I still stand by it until he gets 30. I will not, I will not concede the bet because he will slow down at some point. Maybe he gets injured, not wishing for it, but he is old. The body breaks down, but he's a Russian machine. You never know. Those guys, they don't get, don't get hurt. The Russian machine. What are you, you're, you're chomping at the bit to say something, Tim. What do you want to say? Nothing. No, I'm just going. I got my next point ready when you're done with Ovi. Oh, my former friend is at the one. Marion Gabrick. Oh, yeah. Marion Gabrick, arguably one of the fastest players in the NHL, hands down from, from stop to start. He had power boosters tied on his skates. The guy would absolutely fly up and down the ice. Apparently, he wasn't officially retired yet. I don't understand that. He hasn't played in a game in the last, what, five years? Something like that, yeah. Do you know why he wasn't officially retired? Was he getting paid or was he on someone's roster? The Arizona Coyotes were probably paying him, I would imagine. Probably. I figured there was some kind of financial or like tax reason why he hadn't officially retired yet. But yeah, it, it did catch me by surprise. You told a couple of stories about him um, over the, the years, like with his crazy tight compression shorts and the, and the, the torts video uh, room. Give us another Gabby story that people might not know about him. Do you have any more? You got to prep me on these. Um, <laughs> when I was in Minnesota, you know, I was there for two years. We would play cards on the plane and we, we would go back and forth. We'd play cribbage. We'd play um, schnarps. We'd play spades, but we played poker. It's, it's back when poker was really popular. ESPN was doing the World Series of Poker. It seemed like every night, Chris Moneymaker, the Fossil Man, all that stuff. So we played poker on the planes. And it was unlimited buy-ins, which was frustrating. And this is why it was frustrating. I was a decent poker player, but I had a limited bank account. So the initial buy-in was $100, and there'd be 12 guys. Fine. Then you could buy in whenever you wanted. And guys would get out along the way, you know, you buy in a couple times, but it comes to a certain point when if you get out and there's only five guys left, they have, you know, all the chips and you're buying in, you're only getting a hundred dollars worth of chips. And those guys have $600 worth of chips. So you're going to get just leaned on and out of the game. You're going to blind it out. Gabby would not prescribe to that. He would continue to buy in until he was heads up and then he would win because he would continue to buy in all the time. And it was frustrating because he would have, he had this Louis Vuitton bag and, you know, I, I like to carry around cash. I did for, for whatever reason, when I played not to the extent of an Evander Kane, or you, you, you look like you're a drug dealer, <laughs> but uh, you know, I like to have three, four, 500 bucks in my wallet. I think that's a, you know, I felt like a big shot. Maybe that's why I don't know. So I would, you know, play and I would buy in maybe once or twice, probably usually once Gabby would buy in six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times. And he would pull out stacks of cash from his Louis Vuitton bag. And I'm not talking like a stack with a thousand dollars in it. Like I'm talking 25, $30,000. He would just have in his bag for any given trip. I was like, what is going on here? And maybe I caught him on a good time when he just had a bunch of money in his bag, but it seemed like whenever he wanted money, he would reach into this bag and it had an unlimited bottom and he would just peel a hundred off the top and I'm buying back in. And he, he wouldn't win every time because there would come a point where the guys would be, you can't buy in anymore. Like you're done. But I would say if we played on any given season, 30 games, Gabby won 10 of them. 
because he would just, he would never give up. He would continue to buy in. And I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting story because it, it frustrated me to no end because he would continue to. And there's another game. It's called um, in between or hit the post where you put down three cards, put one on the left, one on the right. You have to say if it's outside in between, or it's going to hit the post. So I just say you put a two down and you put a seven down. You got to say if the card that you're going to put in between is going to be in between those two numbers. So three through six, if it's going to be outside, so a source eight or above, or it's going to hit the post, it's going to be a two or a seven. So you play with one deck and you bet every time and you could bet the pot. So you start with $10 and then you play with however many guys and you go around and it gets really tricky when there's like $400 in the pot because guys keep missing and you have like a, a two and a queen and you want to bet the pot. But if you hit the post and a king comes up, you have to put in double what the pot is. Oh, so yeah. Four hundreds in there and you hit the post, you have to put in eight hundred dollars. And I don't have that kind of money. This is where Gabby's stack came into play because nobody would bet the pot when it got that high. And Gabby would come in and it would be like a three and a jack. And he'd be like, I bet the pot and it would come up or sorry, it'd be like a a three and a five and be like outside. I bet the pot and he would win the whole thing. And it was frustrating, but there would be times where you hit the post and you have to put in like $2,000 and he wouldn't care. He just, I was doing the math the other day of like how much money guys make. If you're making $10 million, I, I tried to equate it. Once upon a time, I made close to a million and I would get a check, a certain amount. Like it was like 30, 30,000 every two weeks. And I was like, gosh, those guys make like $300,000 every two weeks. Can you imagine that? every two weeks in your bank account every two weeks. It's insane to think about. Like I know when I played, I was like, I'm make, I'm, I'm rich. Those guys were insanely. You can never spend this money rich. It's, it's unbelievable to think about like, that's insane. Tim. How about Jeff Skinner making 9 million a year for like nine years. It's crazy. Like that's that's a, that's a, you, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around. He can go out and buy every house on a block and it wouldn't even touch his bank account. Like literally every house on a, on a decent sized street, Jeff can go in and be like, I'll take them all. Put them on my tab. I'm good for it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. But anyways, that's a Gabby story. So he retired. Good for him. Bunch of hat tricks last night. I don't know if you saw that. My guy, uh, Nelson, Got four goals. Or Bergeron got four. Nelson got three. Everly got three for Seattle. Pretty cool. Yeah, the first, the first ever hat trick uh, for the the Kraken, which is cool. And yeah, Bergeron is actually really interesting. He had three. It, it was a natural hat trick. All three were power play goals, and all three are like were kind of identical plays. It was pretty cool. Just like one time was right in the slot. Um, so kind of cool. And then Toronto beat Tampa last night in overtime. Who has now won quietly four in a row. Toronto, which is which is pretty good, and you know we talked about their struggles out of the gate, and we knew it wouldn't last, and now they're they're second or third in their division. Now they're climbing up the rankings. Good word, good work, good win for Toronto. It was they, they almost lost. They scored with like thirty seconds left. Johnny Tavares, same type of goal as Bergeron, where he was in a slot, redirected one timer type <clears> of shot. <throat> then they get the overtime winner out of Nylander, but you know, good win. Tampa obviously missing a, f- a few pieces, so they're not all there right now, but. You're not going to keep Toronto down for long. They're a highly, highly offensive, high-powered, really gifted team, and they're going to get their wins. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make a run, but it, it, they haven't impressed me to date. You know what I mean? They haven't really gone out and really dominated any game they've played in this year, and that's kind of alarming, where they should be 
just having their way with a lot of teams and they, they aren't. So four wins in a row is good. They need to start asserting themselves and going out and leaning on teams and using their speed and using their talent and just put someone away so they can coast in the third period a little bit. Every game they've played that they've won, they've had to fight right until the end. So until they, they do that, they, they still have stuff to work on, but good win, you know, four in a row, they'll take it after kind of, they scuttled in the first week of the season. Good for them. Other teams not doing so good, Tim. Yeah. We talked about some hot starts for Detroit, Detroit Red Wings and uh, Buffalo Sabres, but they've each lost three in a row now. So yeah, I think like, like you said, last episode, the, the honeymoon phase of the, of the season's over and things are kind of settling back down into who they really are. And then I think the next couple of months will be really telling, like you said. Yeah. I think everyone's just settling down where they're supposed to be. Cute story. Detroit started hot young players, you know, very excited to make the NHL. They're, they're slowly, like, like you mentioned, honeymoon's over. They're settling down. This is the NHL teams are figuring them out, but good start. You know, it happens to Buffalo every year, <laughs> every single year, poor Buffalo. They come out hot and now they just, they're, they're not a good team. They don't have the talent to compete, let alone to compete in the division that they're in, which is a very, very tough division. But it was it was a nice start. It kind of gave Kevin Adams a little boost, but it is what it is. Time to move on. Jack's gone. Who's the captain now? I don't know. We'll see what happens in Buffalo, but it's going to be a long season for them. It'll be a race to the bottom between them and the Arizona Coyotes, but Arizona's got a head start on them. Gosh, are they terrible. Absolutely so terrible. bad. So bad. But another good thing, Buffalo made another deal right at the de- right at the deadline after they uh, traded Jack, picked up Johnny Boychuk. He'll Johnny help their Rocket. back end. He'll help their back end once he gets healthy, which is never. <laughs> it gets him to the cap floor. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, they're going to bury him on the LTIR. They're at the cap floor now. So essentially, they're icing a team that is below the salary cap. So that's always good when you're going up against teams that are at the cap and you're playing a team that has like less than the cap. So it's... I would not want to be in the Buffalo Sabres locker room right now. You're going into every game knowing you're just going to get pumped and it's only going to get worse because teams need points and you are the easy, easy game on the schedule and they are going to put points up on you. But anyways, that's enough. At least Jack Eichel's traded Vegas. We'll see how that turns out. Kane's still a douche. Everybody's happy. Otherwise I hope everybody has a good weekend. We will talk to you guys next week. Anything else to say, Tim? No, thanks for listening. See you next week. All right. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.